Good morning and welcome to the Dead 3 Coaching Podcast. I am your host, George Evian. We appreciate, again, all the help and support that has been given to us as we continue with this podcast. I believe since we re have redone this podcast, it used to be called Out from the Cube, then we changed it to Leading from the Arch. We started a new one, I believe, at the start of the year, right around January. So we are now nine months into this, I believe. We're on a much regular, much more regular cadence with it releasing these every Monday or Tuesday. Uh, we could release actually a few more per week, but we're doing a number of different uh, content creation things that we use with Instagram and with uh, YouTube and some other channels that we're doing. But this is released every Monday, I believe. Uh, but uh, I believe with this new format that we're doing that we started back in January, we're somewhere probably around episode 40. So we're pushing out a number of episodes and really appreciate the support that is given to us on all the platforms, wherever you consume all this. If you would like to help us, just share this with as many people as you can. Comment on and like and share the things that you see on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. That is, without question, how you can help us here with our podcast. So with that, we are in the middle, I would say, almost in the middle of a nine-part series where we talk about building an empowered team and what is an empowered team and uh, how we can build empowered individuals and all of that. So we've started out, if you've been following this, uh, uh, following this from the beginning, we, are, uh, we started with an encourage, uh, encouraging, building encouraging teams that encourage one another. It was a two-part series. All of these are two-part. It's a nine-part series and each Part is two parts, if that makes sense. So the eight, it'll end up being 18 episodes on how to build an empowered team. Uh, we talked about encouragement. We talked about mindset. We've talked about purpose. And now we are on the second part of talking about ownership and what own, how to build ownership within your teams and why ownership is important when you are building an empowered team and why that is vital, valuable, important um, if you're going to build the best teams that you can. If anything, what you know, I, I again, I've said this story before. I had a lady on my old podcast, this outstanding lady. She was CEO of a company and she continued to say not not to where it was uncomfortable or it was too much. But I remember speaking with her. It was actually during covid. I was doing a lot of LinkedIn live at the time, uh, two to three days a week. We were doing LinkedIn live episodes and we had her on. And I remember I was sitting outside. It was the springtime. Uh, covid was started in March. I'm sure it was April or May that we had her on. Um, her name is, is escaping me right now. But as that interview went on, she continued to talk about how she is an expert. She's an expert at leadership. She was an expert at, you know, her craft or whatever that was. I don't quite remember, but it was definitely like leadership and communication and all that. Outstanding conversation. Uh, but I remember acknowledging her at the end of that episode because I appreciated that she was an ex that she felt she was an expert and that she was comfortable and safe to continue to say, Hey, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at this. And I, I thought that was a, a great trait and attribute that she had. And why do I bring that up now is we're really good at building teams. I think we can lead teams. I think we're good at building a vision. I think we're good. Uh, if anything, I think we're great at creating environments that celebrate, recognize value, the people that are doing the work. And I think we're great at being cheerleaders. And I, but that's why we started with encouragement. If you want to have an empowered team, 
If you want to build an elite team, start with encouragement, start with recognition and celebration and honoring people's commitment and time and focus and energy and their being to help you deliver on a compelling vision that we've talked about. Um, you, you, you have to start with that. Um, so we're on to ownership. We spent a fair amount of time. We're not going to go into all of these deep. I am going to reiterate a few things from that first episode, the, 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 the last episode, but the first episode where we talked about ownership. But this is what I want to say, and it's here in my notes, and I really liked this. Um, but ownership means taking responsibility and accountability, responsibility and accountability for task projects and outcomes, results, the R that we will be talking about in a few weeks the R of building a, a, an empowered team is results. Empowered teams encourage ownership at all levels. So in the software world, engineers, team leads, QA, regulatory, you know, um, executive, like whatever it is, all of the different people that contribute to software getting out the door. And it would be the same way in sales in the same way in, a service industry, there's a video that we show. And I love this video. And this is a great point. I'm glad it popped into my mind. There is a video that when I do public speaking that I typically show, it's a one minute video and it is as impactful a video that I've seen as it relates to building an empowered team and building an empowered culture and environment. It's uh, the, the restaurant is Noma, N-O-M-A, I believe. And the video I have is them receiving and being told that they are, they have been voted the number one restaurant in the world, according to a very highly decorated uh, and recognized um, publication. So they get, this is where they get notified. And it is essentially maybe 10, it's a, it's a, again, a minute video, maybe five seconds of it is them hearing the news and then 50 seconds or 55 seconds of them celebrating. So when we talk about ownership and empowered teams encourage ownership at all levels, you talk about the Noma experience the people making steaks, the people doing fries, the people sweeping, the people taking the orders, the, the people that are taking reservations, the people that are seating people, the, the people that are flipping steaks, the people that are putting the orders out on, on plates, like whatever it is. Empowered teams encourage, demonstrate, have absolutely ownership at all levels and they are allowing team members to have a say in all the decisions and all the outcomes. Understand your role and responsibility, what you're paid for. To quote Bill Belichick, who's the head coach of the New England Patriots, and the Patriot way is, you do your job. You focus on your job. You get locked in on your job. You don't worry about other people's jobs. Unless there's always, I've struggled with that a little bit in that, you want to enhance your job, enhance your role, enhance your responsibilities. You want to do more. But at the end of the day, even if I want to flip steaks and cook steaks at Noma, if I'm still sweeping trash and picking up trash, I still got to do my job. I've got to do my job. There's a show I'm watching right now on Hulu called The Bear. It's a cooking show. 
It's about how to build restaurants. I do kind of like that. And there's a gentleman in this movie, and it's a great show about building teams. And this gentleman is becomes, because of the leadership he has and because of the example and because of the skill and because of the respect that he has for this people, this person building this team and this restaurant, he starts to ignite within himself a passion for that industry. He starts off being a knucklehead and then slowly after six or so episodes that I'm in, this guy is su he's super passionate about baking and about being a baker, making bread and donuts and cakes and all this stuff. So much so that he is now sleeping at the restaurant. Somebody calls him out on it. Hey, underneath there, you've got pillows and blankets. And he's like, no, I don't want to waste time. I want to be here. I've got things to learn. So his passion is all of that. Now he's learning all of this and he's taking all his free time to do this. But at the end of the day, he's got to do his job. And right now his job is to bake bread because it's a sandwich shop in this particular uh, show. And so on his free time, he is leveling up. He is enhancing his responsibilities, enhancing his role. He is doing more to educate himself and all this sort of stuff. But his job is to bake bread. So you can't drop that ball. So it all circles back to, again, that idea of do your job. But allowing team members to have a say in decisions and outcomes. Now, here's the phrase. When individuals take ownership of everything, of all the decisions and outcomes, task project outcomes at all levels. They are motivated to contribute their best. Their best. Leading to commitment, dedication, and collaboration. Things we've talked about for a long time. Man, if we could do anything to have absolute and extreme ownership, commitment, passion, intensity, focus, commitment and dedication to what we're doing, what we're building, how we plan on getting there, how we all contribute to that compelling vision, then you've got it. Then you have it. So we talked about accountability and initiative at length. The, the three bullet points we want to get into today as it talks as we talk about building a, an empowered team based on a pillar of ownership. Here, let me give this example and we'll get into um, this. We'll get into this. I do want to give this example. When I, I used to coach, as many of you know, I coached college basketball most of that time, if not, yeah, most of that time, all of that time, essentially at the small college level, right? NAIA type schools up in Michigan and um, in some junior college ball in Colorado. I was fortunate in that I observed, I don't want to over overstate what I did or anything like that. But I was able to observe for two or three years, Rick Majerus, who's the head basketball coach at the University of Utah. I still have notebooks I've talked about. I still have notebooks down here somewhere in my basement of all the things uh, of those experiences and things I took notes on. And I wish, you know, it's another lesson. It's another podcast. It's another series about really taking advantage of opportunities when they're there in front of you, because that opportunity was a once in a lifetime opportunity that I did not in any way, shape or form, take advantage of. Now, 
I took advantage of some of it, I, you know, but man, it was all there on the table for me to really take in a lot, do a lot, learn a lot and be a lot. And, and unfortunately, I guess, as many of us maybe do, uh, being 18 to 23 years old, you know, uh, we sometimes don't take advantage of those opportunities. That's another story. But I remember him saying this. It wasn't to me. It was me just, I guess, eavesdropping or just really being aware and listening to some things he said. And it may have even been in a clinic or something. He had a really good team at the University of Utah. Really good team. And so much so that they made the Final Four in 1998, made the championship game in the Final Four. They beat North Carolina. In the championship game, they played Kentucky in 1998 down in San Antonio and lost by 10. They were up by 10. And I believe they, they were up by 10 at halftime, lost by 10. But this ownership idea and the things and the three additional bullet points we're going to talk about here leads me to this example. He had, it was a veteran team. So these weren't freshmen. So keep, keep that in mind as you think about your teams, not basketball related, but just your teams. We even say in the professional world, veterans and rookies, people that have been around like, Hey, that person's a veteran. Hey, that person's a rookie. Like they they're, they're new. Shorter leash, longer leash, all that sort of stuff, right? But Majerus said this. They knew, he knew that he had coached this veteran team. They were all older guys that had been around the program for three to four years. So they were juniors or seniors. But what he talked about over time, he had coached them on how to, like, for this example, to play pick and roll defense. How are they going to play pick and roll defense? Um, when they were veterans and older, he brought them together and he said, how do you want to do this? How do you want to play side pick and roll against this team with this point guard on this part of the floor with this personnel? How do you want to do it? And the leadership of that team, the veterans of that team said, we want to do it this way. And so they did it that way. And so Majerus would talk about this and it resonated with me because he knew that they were going to pick one of four, one of five ways to do it. He was comfortable with all five, but he knew they would pick one of those five and he knew they would do it harder and own it more, deliver on it, execute on it because they made the decision to do it. They were not told what to do. They were asked what they wanted to do, what they felt was best. And because of that, they wanted it to be successful. They own the decision. They own the opportunity. They own the, the, they own the outcome. And, and they own the winning and losing of that particular part of the game. So it was kind of like this master thing of how to own your team how to give them ownership of the team. Um, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze here. But how to give them ownership of decisions and outcomes and being able to discuss and being able to work hard so they get the outcome that they want. They wanted to show him that they knew what they were talking about and that they could do it. So they went out and crushed it. That was a great example of that. So I guess the example there is when you lead your teams Give them opportunities to own it. Give them 
allow them to make decisions that move them closer to getting the outcomes that you want, but let them get the shine for making the decision. It doesn't matter if you get it. It doesn't matter if Majerus in the post-game press conferences, hey, we were really good at pick and roll on this player because I because this is how we did it. No, you could say, hey, they made that decision. They did it, and it was the right decision, and, and it was instrumental in us winning. So the point here is teams that take ownership have decision-making. They own the decision-making for their team. Now, We've talked about the pillars, the nine pillars of building an empowered team. We've talked about two of them that we haven't even got to yet. And one of them is results, the R. And the last one that we will talk about in a number of weeks is decision-making. Some of those pillars wind up in other pillars. But empowered team members make decisions within their area of responsibility, their jobs. So to go back to the NOMO example, the person flipping steaks, the person making fries, the person that is setting the table, bussing the table, taking orders. You make the decisions in your area of responsibility. You own it to make it better, to own it, to get the outcomes, to not, do you think you're going to go with 10 different roles and you're going to continue to go to the head coach of a restaurant to get confirmation and clarity? No, you make decisions. You move on. You make decisions within their area of responsibility. When team members have ownership over decisions, they are more invested in the outcomes and will take much greater care in making choices, in making those choices. Suggestion maker, decision maker. Let them be decision makers. In their area of responsibility, one of the main things that is not a pillar in the pillars of building an empowered team, but is littered through every single pillar is the support of leadership. So if you're allowing them to make decisions in their area of responsibility, support them, even when you don't get the outcomes results that you want, when they lose. If you're the leader, if you're the head coach, and you're allowing them to make decisions in their area of responsibility and you lose, you better be out in front of your team owning that yourself. You can't sit there and say, well, I let the person making stakes make those decisions. And because of that, this is the worst. We These are the worst stakes we've ever had. Our company, our restaurant is the worst because of that, because of that. No. I own it. I could have done a better job there. Um, We'll do better next time. And then privately, you coach. You coach, you lead, you encourage, you strategize, you give feedback. Privately. Shout praise, whisper criticism. Shout praise, whisper criticism. Write that down. When team members have ownership over decisions, they are more invested in the results and outcomes, and they are going to take greater care in making those choices. That is so important when it comes to decision-making. And again, we will talk about that in episodes down the down the road here. The last episode is all about decision-making. But under decision-making, there's three just things. We're not going to go deep into these much because we only have about 11 minutes left here. But think about this. 
making informed choices, informed decisions, balancing the risks and rewards that happen, and really owning all of those outcomes and results. Effective decision-making involves gathering all the relevant information and considering all those options before making choices. Makes me think of another story about my dad. My dad worked for 40 years for Boeing in the defense area. And we didn't talk much about work. There was probably a lot that he wasn't able to talk about working for Boeing in the defense area. But I remember him talking about decision-making and he was a leader and he led a lot of people. And there were, which means there's a lot of opinions, a lot of strategies, tactics, conversation about getting the best outcomes and results the team could possibly have. There's a lot of information coming at it. I think what, I won't say what he said verbatim because I don't remember. But the context of what he said was this. I take all the information from my team that I can. Can't take it from 100 people probably, but he takes it from his leaders. So maybe he's taking it from eight or nine people. Get as much information as you can, as much facts that you possibly can. Let everybody be heard. You're leading to lead people. You're trying to build leaders. You want them to have a voice. You want them to have a voice in the decision. You want them to have ownership of everything that's going on. So you, but if my dad in this situation was more the one making the decision, he's not the suggestion maker. So everybody else is giving him information. They're offering suggestions and facts. And then when he made his decision, what he told me was, once I make my decision, we move. We move on. And I remember he would, what he told me was, he would make a decision that was in conflict of other people on his team. Probably not everybody, but on occasion, with all the decisions he had to make, there was probably people that had an opinion, a strategy or a tactic that my dad went against. And I remember him saying, once I made a decision and people came with me, he called a timeout, essentially, again, not verbatim, but how I took it and said, listen, I heard you. I considered everything you said. We have moved on. I have made my decision. Move on. Help us now with this decision. Help us now as we craft this outcome and results to support it, even if it's not what you want. But the idea is, Informed choices, getting facts. Effective decision-making involves gathering facts, relevant information, and considering all the options before making those choices. Get all the information you can. We are on a mission right now where I work professionally to get facts, to get data, to get relevant information. The more information you have, the more facts you have, the more relevant information and details that you have, the better questions you can ask, the better choices you can make. Got to be able, what I've learned in the world of leadership and team building and being uh, as good as I can be individually for a team and for myself is I've got to be able to ask really good questions. And the better you get, the better questions you ask. Decision-making also requires understanding the risks and benefits of those choices. We're not going to go deep into that one. Risk reward, decision-making, owning that, owning 
the decision-making of your team within your area of responsibility. Choices, balancing risk and reward, and owning that outcome. Those are the three things that we've got that we're talking about. You've got to make choice. You got to be empowered. You got to be supported by leadership to own the decision making in your area of responsibility. Otherwise, why were you hired? Rookies, short lease, leash, veterans, long leash. You understand the metaphor. Individual, you got to own the outcomes. And individuals who participate in that decision making take ownership of the outcomes responsibility and accountability within the team. We talked about both of those earlier in another podcast. The second pillar, and we've got to go through these kind of a little bit quicker, is just, you know, ownership of problem solving. The ownership of understanding the challenges and actively participating in finding solutions. The people that own the team, like that own the results and the outcomes, the responsibilities, the tasks, the projects, all those responsibilities that we've talked about. Having complete and absolute ownership of all that is going on that we've talked about, you have to also own all of the, the decision-making. You've got to own the problem-solving before, like we talked about in the last episode, before the problems escalate. Take ownership of challenges and actively, actively participate in finding solutions. It leads me to this. I, I like how these stories just kind of pop into my head and we'll try to keep this, you know, uh, uh, about 10 more minutes here. Great episode on the Ed Milet Show. He's interviewing Danny Hurley, who is the head basketball coach at the University of Connecticut and talking, and they just won the national championship in 2023 this past March. And Danny, Coach Hurley, Danny Hurley's got it going. You know, intense, passionate, hardworking, knowledgeable, respected, like everything, leading young men, building young men, all this. But there's so much in that lesson. You need to, you need to go listen to that. One thing he told me was, not told me, one thing he said in there that resonated with me was his team meetings are intense. Team, his staff meetings, not team meetings, his staff meetings are intense with his assistant coaches, support staff, et cetera. He was like, you've got to come to these meetings to solve problems. You've got to come with an opinion on what we should be doing, on a strategy. You better not come here and just sit down, be quiet, take notes. You are an active, to quote this, you are actively participating in helping us get better. To this, actively participating in finding solutions. We don't run quiet meetings here. Everybody's involved. Everybody has a voice. Everybody, and we're here to get better. And we're here to get this thing right. And I remember him saying that, saying, man, that's a lesson for me. It's a lesson to take with me. You, If you all are listening to this and you've got meetings where it's quiet, nobody says anything, you're trying to, like, you've got to problem solve that. Problem solving mindset fosters, a, This is listen to this. The owning the problem solving gives you that sense of ownership towards participating and finding solutions. But the problem solving mindset fosters the continuous improvement, the growth, the development, the incremental improvement that you all have to have in order to build an empowered, elite, high performing, best team in the company 
ever. Individuals that actively seek ways to overcome obstacles and enhance the processes that teams have. I did this uh, short clip. You can go to our YouTube channel, go to our blog series on our website. But we just talked about it's not okay to be okay and being good isn't good enough. And right now, even great's not good enough. We've got to develop a mindset of being the best. And then if we can go from being the best to then changing our mindset to and discuss ways to be the best ever, that's when you, but how do you do that? Continuous improvement, development, feedback, problem solving, decision-making, having staff meetings that aren't quiet, but are challenging in that, hey, let's figure out ways to get better. Let's figure out how to go from poor or okay to good to great, to the best, to the best ever. And the last bullet point here, and we'll wrap this up, is how can we build our teams to take absolute ownership of the team, of the tasks, of the project, of the results and outcomes? Let's make sure that we own a shared vision. We've talked about this before. The compelling vision that maybe leadership sets, but we set. This is what we're doing. This is why it's important. Here's how you contribute to it. Here's why it's significant. Here are the problems that we are solving. This is what it does for our customers. Here's how it you are included in it and we all agree to it and that we have a shared vision, right? There's a lot of notes in here, but under shared vision, alignment of goals, m- creating motivation and unity around that shared vision and guiding the decision-making that needs to take place to stay aligned to the shared vision. So three bullet points under having a shared vision that we own, that we navigate, that we stay aligned to, but an alignment of goals. Create Because of this shared vision, because of the ownership we have in it, that we're motivated and we have a unity amongst one another toward that shared vision, and it guides all of our decision-making. Decision-making in areas of our expertise, our roles, and our responsibilities to make those decisions. So alignment of goals, that shared vision, the shared vision that we have as a group and that we own and execute on, it ensures that all team members are aligned and working towards a common purpose. Like, I'm doing this because... And we all say the same thing. I am doing this because. This is important because. I am contributing to this because. A shared vision motivates team members by always giving them a sense of belonging and unity of the team. That I belong here. I'm valued. I'm contributing. I understand my role. I understand like to go back to the NOMO thing. Maybe their vision wasn't, we're going to be the best restaurant ever, the best restaurant in the world, whatever. Maybe that's not their vision. Maybe the vision is, is more micro, right? But that's the out, the out because of they focus on details and out and small wins, all the small wins add up. But it's also sitting there saying, man, I understand the vision. I understand my role in this. I understand how I contribute to it. I am valued. I am skilled. I'm respected. And because of the shared vision, 
I am motivated because I belong here and I have a unity and a loyalty and an understanding of this team. And again, we've talked a lot about decision-making and how it allows members to prioritize and the actions that need to happen to contribute to that vision and the mission, vision and mission of the team. So we're going to wrap this up. Let me wrap this up, all of the ownership stuff. We've talked a lot here about, you know, let me, let me, let me go back to the definition of ownership here. Taking responsibility and accountability for the tasks, the projects, and the outcomes. Encouraging empowerment. I'm sorry. Encouraging ownership at all levels and an empowered team. From the person running the grill to taking the orders to bussing the tables to cooking the fries. We have ownership at all levels. We talked about accountability and initiative. We talked about decision-making and problem-solving and shared vision in this episode, right? All of that. So now let's, let's kind of put a ribbon on these four or five pillars, the four pillars that we've gone through. At the start of this episode, we talked about encouragement, celebrating, acknowledging, encouraging, and having a culture and environment that's built around those, those sub-pillars, those pillars of encouragement. Encouragement, mindset, purpose, and ownership. Those are the four things we've talked about. There's five more. We briefly talked about results and decision-making. Those are two of the five that we still have to get to. The next lesson, the next session, the next pillar that we're going to talk about is winning. It's going to be coupled a little bit with mindset. Winning, winning results, winning outcomes, winning mindset, winning attitude. You know, all of that. We talk a lot with where I work in the software world about winning. What is our next win? What are our next five wins? How do we set the table for winning? How do we make sure that we knock these next 10 wins out that are coming up? How do we work together? How do we, you know, encourage one another to get there? How do we create that mindset of winning and being competitive? We talked about competitive growth and development quite a bit in that episode. How do we have purpose and vision? And to quote this again, the mission that we're aligned to. And how do we have absolute ownership in all that we do so we can make decisions based on fact within our job, our responsibility, our role? Man, we're covering a lot here and I get really juiced up about it because I know exactly how this builds an empowered team. You have to start with what you think this looks like. You have to unpack it and you've got to start working your way towards building the most elite, empowered and best team ever in your company. Please, uh, again, support the channel. Support everything that we're doing on terms of LinkedIn and Instagram and YouTube and all this. We do have products that we have on our website. Please hit our website. You can find all this content there as well. We appreciate all the support and uh, feedback that people have given to us and Dead3 Coaching and our website and all the content we're creating. We really appreciate it. Thank you.